My kids love their snacks just like everyone else, but I'm really picky about what they eat. And if it's going to be something in a package, I want it to be healthy, high quality, and something that's not going to break the bank. I recently discovered Thrive Market and they check all the boxes. My kids are loving the seaweed snacks, cinnamon applesauce, and the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds. What I love most about Thrive Market is that everything is organic and non-GMO, and it's more affordable than what you'll find in the stores. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. I'm always trying to get more fruits and vegetables and real foods in my kids' diets, but between school, work, sports, and everything else we have going on, I don't have a lot of time. I need simple, easy kitchen appliances that can help me save time, and the one that I can't do without is the Vitamix. When I received it as a Christmas present a few years ago, I admit I was skeptical because I already had a blender, but the first time I used it, I was hooked. Unlike other blenders, the Vitamix blends everything up into a super smooth consistency, much like a juicer would, except you get all the nutritious fiber that regular juicers leave behind. And what I love most about the Vitamix is that it isn't just for smoothies. Every Vitamix has an entire range of textures to choose from, so you can use it to make dips and spreads, nut and seed butters, hummus and guacamole, muffins, pizza dough, plant-based milk, and frozen treats. Vitamix has been around for 70 years and all of their blenders are powerful, durable, and built to last. And they come with a full warranty. To get free shipping off any Vitamix purchase over $50, just go to my website, julierevelant.com shop and click on Vitamix. This is Food Issues. In every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insight to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. This school year, every kid can get free school meals, but many of the foods are loaded with excess added sugars, and some parents are none the wiser. What we've seen is that even with those calorie ranges, you still can have products that are excessively sugary. That's Colin Schwartz, Deputy Director of Federal Affairs at the Center for Science in the Public Interest. Colin works on nutrition policy and advocacy and has conducted research about school meals and added sugars in schools. We'll talk about what parents can expect this year with school meals, how much sugar kids are actually consuming, and what you can do about it. Hi, Colin. Welcome back to the Food Issues Podcast. Glad to be back. In season one, we talked about the changes to school lunch during COVID and all the different waivers that were made available to schools. And so now that we're heading into the new school year, are many of those still in place? And what would parents see in school lunch delivery or in the cafeteria? So all those waivers are still in place. So essentially what parents had to deal with to get their kids the meal at school or pick up the meal is essentially the same for now this next school year uh, for school year 21-22. So parents should expect that 
most importantly, school meals will remain completely free for all kids. We had universal school meals, so free school meals for all kids throughout last school year because of the pandemic, and that's going to continue through this next school year. So parents don't have to worry about filling out paperwork, just make sure their child is eligible for the school meals program. Um, they don't have to worry about their, their kids being fed at school, um, at least through this next school year. Um, after that, though, we're going to have to work to make sure that kids can continue to get free meals. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing to move that forward? So it's been great to see some momentum also at the state level. We've seen a couple of states pass laws that now provide free meals for all kids. There was one in California. There was another in Maine. And at the federal level, we are very much pushing Congress to make this a reality across the country permanently. So in the next package that the Democrats are working on, they worked on the infrastructure bill that still needs to be passed. And then next up is the American Families Plan, which is that huge $3.5 trillion COVID relief slash stimulus package that the Democrats want to pass this year. And part of that package we're hoping would include universal school meals or healthy school meals for all. Okay. And last time we talked about certain flexibilities that school districts had around sourcing different types of foods and ingredients. Is, are those still in place as well? There are waivers that still allow schools to waive from the nutrition standards that are required as part of the school meal. And that's because there's been ongoing supply chain issues, which is unfortunate. So there are a lot of schools across the country that are still having issues with finding that vendor to provide that food, you know, provide that, that the bread or the pasta or the rice or the, the pre-made sandwiches, the pre-made salads, the pre-made entrees, things like that still continue, even though we've been going through this pandemic for, for so long now. And also schools are facing a lot of labor shortages, which is, has been exacerbated since the beginning of the pandemic, because a lot of schools lost a lot of money. There had, there was a decrease in the number of students that were participating in the school meals program. So they, they lost a lot of money while their costs actually either stayed the same or increased. And so schools actually saw a lot of food service staff, cafeteria staff leave. Um, they had a furlough staff or let go some staff or some staff just left. And so now what we're seeing is actually a lot of schools are short staffed for their meal programs. So we're dealing with schools that are still waving from the nutrition standards, which is a concern while at the same time needing to address these supply chain issues and labor shortages. And at the state level, you had mentioned California and Maine decided to offer free school meals. Do you think in the next in the coming months that other states will follow suit regardless of what federal legislation pans out to be? I really hope so. I hope that more states follow suit. The, the issue, of course, is that the states that are going to have to pay for those free meals once the federal government is no longer paying for it, because again, we have free school meals through this whole school year. So through June, July of next year, California passed it to make it permanent. So in California, you don't have to, a child doesn't have to worry about free school meals going away, no matter what. Um, in Maine, they passed a short-term fix that only offers free school meals through July, 2023. 
So even in a state like Maine that passed a, a wonderful universal school meals bill, we would still then, if the federal government doesn't make this a reality, we'd have to go back to Maine and pass a law again to make sure that kids continue to get these free meals. Um, so we, you know, we need we need Congress to make this a reality across the country. Um, but if they don't do that, or if they don't act as quickly as we would like them to, then I I am hopeful that more states will pass pass these bills and not just pass a bill like Maine, but pass a bill like California, where it's just permanently funded free school meals for all kids. Yeah. And are you hopeful that universal school meals will will happen at the federal level? Not able to say if it will happen for sure, but I am hopeful. I think, you know, the Democrats strongly support this. It's a priority. Republicans don't support this. So that's the challenge is this is a, a has unfortunately become a partisan issue for providing free meals for, for all kids. Um, and if it were to pass, it has to be passed through this next COVID stimulus relief package, the American Families Plan, because it um, would need to pass. It would likely only pass with only Democrat support. It wouldn't pass with Republican support. Okay. We spoke previously about President Trump's rollbacks to school meals. Are those still in place? We were fortunate in the the federal court of Maryland um, striking down those rollbacks from the Trump administration. So. In 2018, my organization, the Center for Science and the Public Interest, we we sued the Trump administration over these rollbacks. The Trump administration rolled back some of the nutrition standards on salt and whole grains for it for, for kids in the school meals program. And, and we won at the federal district court, which was terrific. And so what the reality of that now is that those rollbacks have been overturned. They have been vacated. So we are now back to the original nutrition standards that came out during the Obama administration. And so the status quo essentially is that schools are supposed to meet standards that reduce sodium, provide more whole grains, for instance. But because of the rollbacks and because of years of delay, and then because of COVID, schools haven't been able to get there to meet it. So on the books, we actually have strong nutrition standards in place. It's just not being enforced during COVID because of these waivers, because of supply chain issues. So we're hopeful that if we can find a resolution to these supply chain issues, that going forward next school year, the the Biden administration has actually announced that they're going to come out with a an update to the nutrition standards. And so we're we're uh, we're hopeful that essentially what this administration needs to do is just provide clarity to schools for by when do they need to meet these salt targets? When do they need to meet whole grains? And then we also want them to start addressing sugar because there's way too much sugar in school meals. So that'll provide some certainty to schools while at the same time, we need to be addressing labor shortages and supply chain issues. Right. And so right now you said that it's on the books, but it's not really being enforced or adhered to. And so would school districts right now, are they allowed to serve things like chocolate milk or strawberry milk? Schools are allowed to serve flavored milk, chocolate milk, strawberry milk, vanilla milk. And the issue with that is that flavored milk, like these flavored milks, are the top source of of added sugars in school meals. They're very, very sugary. So that that is a concern of ours. 
Uh, it is a concern also that just in general, schools are not meeting the strong nutrition standards that came out of the Obama administration because, because rightfully so, because of COVID, schools have had challenges, but we don't know what sort of short-term impact that's going to have uh, going forward on schools being able to meet the standards. And we thought that we would resolve some of these supply chain issues before, and we're still facing them today. So that's still a concern. We don't know by when will we be back in a place where schools can contract with all the vendors they need to contract with to be able to provide these um, these healthier meals. But of course, the issue for us is we have to make sure that school meals meet these evidence-based nutrition standards that are best for kids' health. And so the the solution there is figure out how schools can do it as opposed to weakening the standards, which unfortunately some of our opponents are pushing for. Right. Yeah. So let's take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about added sugars and, and a history about added sugars in school meals. People often ask me how I got my kids to be such healthy eaters. And the truth is that one of the best things I did was bring them in the kitchen with me to cook. And research actually shows that kids who learn how to cook, eat more fruits and vegetables, are more willing to try new foods and have healthier diets overall. If you don't know how to cook or don't like to cook, the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. The course, which was created by a mom of four and former teacher, is designed to build connection, confidence, and creativity in the kitchen. In this course, you'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses, principal supply and grocery shopping lists, and kid-friendly recipes like veggie bean burritos and spaghetti squash lasagna. The course is designed for all kids ages two to teen and has three different skill levels. Your kids will learn how to crack eggs, cook rice, make a salad, and safely use knives, the oven, and appliances. If your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, no problem because the course has a ton of substitutions. My kids and I have taken the course and it was so easy to follow along that they even made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken the course and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. If you're trying to cut down on processed foods and get your kids to eat more real whole foods and become healthy eaters, then the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. You can sign up for the course by going to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues and sign up today. So a lot of the discussion around school meals is often about sodium, saturated fat, whole grains. Why don't we talk about added sugars? Why hasn't this kind of been on the agenda for many years? Sugar has been on the agenda in terms of we know that too much sugar is bad for our health, bad for kids' health, but it hasn't been part of the school meals program. It hasn't been a standard that schools have had to meet because at the time when these standards were updated in 2012, then the 2010 Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which the Dietary Guidelines is sort of the our you know federal nutrition um, advice for what's a healthy diet for all Americans, 
And in 2010, there wasn't an added sugar recommendation for limiting added sugars. However, in 2015 and 2020, because the dietary guidelines comes out every five years, there has been a recommendation that no more than 10% of your calories come from added sugars. And so because of that, now there actually is a dietary guidelines recommendation, so there should be a school meal standard that corresponds with that. And you know, just to be super clear, we're talking added sugar, not sugar. There's a nuance there. Um, you know, the sugar in whole fruit, for instance, is not added sugar. That's perfectly fine. But we're talking about sugar that, say, is added to milk or yogurt to sweeten or flavor it. The sugar and obviously things like cookies or granola bars and pastries and so on, those are all added sugars. And I was part of a, a study that looked into this, and we found that, not surprisingly, 9 out of 10 schools across the country exceed the dietary guidelines recommendation for added sugars for breakfast and lunch for kids. Um, so it's a, it's a huge issue that we need to address, um, and we think that it's now time that the Biden administration address it as they go forward in updating the standards. Why do they do this? Is it because those those foods are cheaper? The food industry often adds sugar to make sure things taste uh, uh, or tasty to to kids, especially. They want to make sure these school meals are are appetizing to 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 students. And the the school meal standards do have calorie ranges. So in a sense, the calorie ranges, indirectly address too much added sugar because you can only have so many calories in a school meal. But what we've seen is that even with those calorie ranges, you still can have products that are excessively sugary that could actually uh, contain a kid's, um, a kid's entire day's worth of added sugars. So the food industry often adds sugar to, to their products to make sure they're tasty. That's not going away. So what we need to do is figure out how can they reformulate, how can they lower the amount of added sugars in those foods, or how can they replace the added sugar products with more with products that don't have added sugars like whole fruit um, in order to really um, reduce the, the, the risk of a lot of diet-related diseases that are linked to added sugars from you know, increased weight gain or diet quality cavities and increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about the fruit is that I've seen it with my kids when I was able to go in and have lunch with them pre-COVID is that they would serve fruit, but it was in a sugary syrup, right? So it's just like so insidious. It's everywhere. And I would say in every meal, anything they serve, what would you say are, are the most common foods that schools serve that are really too high in added sugars? What our study found is that the top source of added sugars in school meals for both breakfast and lunch is flavored milk. So chocolate milk, vanilla milk, strawberry milk. The other top sources for breakfast were sweetened cereals. So, you know, you have your breakfast cereal, muffins, and um, and other pastries, and then condiments and toppings. So to your point, syrup with a little bit of, of fruit in it. And that was also a top source for lunch too. So, you know, you'd be surprised that it's not just the pancake syrup at breakfast, that's a top source, but, or the icing on say Cinnabons, but it can also be the barbecue sauce at lunch um, that some of these, these condiments and toppings have a lot of added sugar. They also have a lot of sodium too. Um, 
And then there are other things like dried fruit, dried fruit that's served in schools, like cranberry snacks are loaded with added sugars. And, uh, and some of these products, again, could exceed a kid's entire day's worth of added sugars. Yeah. And I think the flavored milk is, is, I don't know if you would agree with this, but it's controversial because I've, I've seen pediatricians come out and say that chocolate milk is not a bad thing for kids if it gets them to drink the milk. We've seen that as well. There's a debate about whether also low fat milk or higher fat milks are healthier for you than fat free milks. And what the dietary guidelines says, which is again, the, the, our, our expert nutrition advice that looks at all of the research and brings together all of the nutrition scientists to come up with the, the latest nutrition, um, uh, rec- recommendations based on the science is that um, we have to limit the amount of saturated fat in in our milks, and so to drink really fat free and low fat and not not whole whole um, milk, for instance, and to limit added sugars, which means limiting flavored flavored milks, and especially in the school setting, given that it's the top source of added sugars. Yeah, and one thing that I discovered. Um recently, you know, just doing research about this is that there's copycat foods in the cafeteria. And I'd love for you to talk about what those are, because it's really um, it's just really surprising from a parent's perspective that this is happening. (laughs) So copycat foods are essentially the foods that are served in the grocery store that the parents buy for their kids look the same as the foods that are served in school. So that the same, that same brand, um, students are familiar with, uh, and that the, these companies are able to market the same product to the students, whether they're they're shopping in the grocery store with their parents or guardians, or whether they're they're at school. And of course, the difference being is that that same product, so say like the goldfish that you'd buy on the shelf at the grocery store, if it's sold in school as part of the school meals program, has to meet nutrition standards. And so that goldfish has to say, have less salt in it and be more whole grain, where the same goldfish you'd buy at the store wouldn't. And it's a marketing gimmick that companies essentially use to try to create brand loyalty among students and make sure that, you know, the students are consuming the same products that they're they're also buying at, at the grocery store. And of course, what we would love to see is instead the flip where if you can make these products healthier for students, these um, mostly low income students who are relying on, on the school meals program, then why not do that for your regular brands that you're serving in the grocery store? So why not then have your, those that goldfish have less salt and more whole grains and be just slightly healthier, even though it's still um, processed, which I know a lot of people also have concerns about. Right. And then the kids are going to get the higher sugar version in the store, and then they're just over consuming sugar throughout the day in so many different places. That's right. And because there's no added sugar standard in school, school meals, that those products could be just as sugary. We'll have to see if we hopefully have an added sugar standard in school meals going forward, if those muffins or pastries or sweetened cereals are slightly lower in in added sugars in the school setting 
but have the same amount of added sugars in the retail setting. And, um, and you know, again, whether these companies would, would do better by just reformulating their products uniformly so that the products are just slightly healthier no matter where you buy them. Yeah. Do you think that ever down the line, there could be restrictions about these companies coming in as um, food service, you know, providing the food in schools, whereas schools or or maybe schools would come out and say, we're not going to purchase food from these companies and we're only going to have, you know, a list of companies that we're going to purchase from. It's it's a bit tough for a lot of schools across the country because a lot of schools don't have kitchens. And so they do rely on these companies to make the food for them. And so what we really need at the national level is to make sure that the standards are as strong as possible so that these companies reformulate their products to make them healthier so that for a lot of the schools that don't have kitchen facilities can't make the food themselves, um, that instead of having to pick and choose which companies are doing better, they, that every company that wants to sell any, fi- any food in the school food marketplace um, is going to meet these, these uh, stronger standards. They could go further. You know, if, if they do want to address copycat um, snacks, then schools can have a policy that eliminate them. So they wouldn't buy the goldfish or like the branded chips or other snacks, things like beverages, things like that, that are copycats. So schools can do that. Well, that's a great point. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what's been going on with added sugars and what parents can do about it. If you have picky eaters, you're not alone. And as a mom of two, I totally get it. But through the years, as both a journalist and a mom, I've discovered the secrets to raising kids who love their veggies and will eat just about anything. And I want to share what I've learned with you in my free ebook, 15 Secrets to Raise Healthy Eaters and Put an End to Picky Eating. This book is filled with evidence-based real-life strategies that will help you raise healthy eaters without sneaking foods, bribing, negotiating, or making food into art projects. To get the book, just go to julierevelant.com and click on freebies. So Colin, are there groups currently working to reduce the amount of added sugars in school meals? There are a lot of groups, including the Center for Science, the Public Interest, my organization. There are a lot of groups that work with schools to to lower the amount of added sugars. There are a lot of school districts that have been doing this too. A lot of the big, bigger school districts across the country, from California to Illinois to Florida, um, there, are, there are a handful of school districts that are starting to not allow flavored milk, not allow that chocolate milk or that strawberry milk, um, or look at their um, breakfast pastries. Breakfast, again, is the most problematic on added sugars, more so than lunch. So there are a lot of a lot of groups working on this. I think a lot of parents are concerned about it, and a lot of school districts are starting to realize just how sugary these foods are and trying to figure out ways to reduce that. Yeah, absolutely. And so parents who either must get school lunch or or want to get school lunch for their kids or snacks and breakfast, what are some things that they can do to limit or even avoid the added sugars in meals? Should they be looking at the menu, planning things out? How can they go about tackling that? 
I encourage parents to look at the menu to see what their kids are are eating in the school to see just how sugary the foods are because again there's no standard to limit added sugars in, in schools and so unfortunately it really falls on parents right now to be the watchdog to check to see what is the school doing so if the school is serving a lot of chocolate milk strawberry milk flavored milk is the top source of added sugars so i would look for that on the menu if the school is serving flavored milk, then express concerns that maybe the school can not serve that every day or try to serve plain in place of, of flavored milk, which you'd think that is not very popular among kids. But we did see over the years that schools that would switch from chocolate and vanilla and strawberry milk to just plain milk. Initially, kids weren't super thrilled about the change, but then within a few months, they got used to it. And the amount of milk consumption was just back to where it was before. So also what the school needs to do, of course, is figure out what's most appetizing to students. So if the breakfast is super sugary with like, it's just cereal every day, or it's just a muffin or a pastry every day, then there are other ways that the school can mix things up with more savory breakfasts, you know, sandwiches, burritos, or do a fruit bowl so put the half the whole fruit in place of um, the, the, the sweetened cereal or get lower sugar cereal or do hot cereal like oatmeal and add bananas or apples and cinnamon to it. So there's all kinds of ways that parents should really just be looking at the menu or find out what their kids are eating. And then we have resources at our Center for Science and Public Interest. There are other groups that also have resources on working with schools to figure out how can they make the healthier swap on their menu. Yeah, I think breakfast is definitely one of the biggest offenders. I, I know in our school district, it's, you know, one one meal would be uh, a cherry frutal with juice and graham crackers. I mean, it's incredible. That's what we're feeding our kids to start the day. Yeah, it's it's it is a, an issue that we really. Um, you know, this 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 needs to be one of the biggest pushes from the Biden administration um, and and the food industry also needs to figure out ways to lower added sugars and, and schools need to figure out with vendors how to, to make those, the, make those swaps. So it's not going to be something that we can do overnight, but little by little, we also, of course, if more parents get involved and more school districts are moving in this direction, we have more of a proof of concept that this is achievable. And so I very much encourage parents to get involved, to work with their schools. Now, of course, we know that it's a really difficult uh, time right now, this school year in particular with COVID. I know that a lot of parents are concerned about vaccinations for their kids and mask mandates and hybrid learning. And again, schools also in the meal service are facing supply chain issues and labor shortages. So I know that there's a lot going on in the school space and that there are going to be competing challenges um, and, and concerns. Um, and then even with the, the meal service, it's not not clear entirely if schools will be updating their or posting their menus online. Um, we saw some of schools not doing as good of a job at that um, this past school year. Maybe some of that has changed. You know, the meal service also looks a bit different. Um, a lot of times we're seeing instead of a hot, hot breakfast, like a hot breakfast sandwich or a burrito, instead it is the that juice with that snack and just cold cereal because a lot of schools... While they have 
heat heat racks and ways to provide the the meals hot. Uh, kids aren't going into the cafeteria to get their food. They're getting it from grab and go stations or having it be delivered to the classroom. Right. So unfortunately, a lot of school breakfast, probably for this next school year, is going to be a lot of those easy to to serve colder breakfasts and not the hot breakfast that um, might be more savory or have less added sugars. Yeah. So in the future, when when COVID gets to a better level, let's say, what are some actionable steps they can take to really work with their school district um, to advocate for better school meals? School districts should be having meetings with their community on things like school meals. So whether it's announced in a newsletter that or an email that goes home to the to the parents, to the student, there should be ways that through public forums, parents can get involved and just show up, whether it's virtual or in person, to ask questions, voice concerns about the meals, find out more. Um, they, of course, can reach out directly to the head of the, the meals program at their school, which is going to be the food service director, that you know, their, public, the, the, their contact information is going to be on the school's website. Um, they, they could meet with you know, the, the principal, superintendent, other school officials, but there are going to be ways throughout the school year that they could just get involved. It could just be an email they send the food service director. Now, I, we did a survey also with food service directors about what are their needs right now. And one thing that they put as a top need from the community is to really work in partnership with, with parents um, that, you know, they're working as hard as they possibly can to feed thousands of students safely. And they're trying to do their best to also meet the nutrition standards. And so if parents can really partner with, with food service, so be the voice to make sure that kids are getting the healthiest meals possible, but have it come from a place of of more of a partnership. um, I'm hopeful that, you know, then parents can work more with food service directors to, to do better throughout this next school year. Yeah. And another thing is that the school's the school districts have to have a wellness policy in place, right? And you can talk to the wellness committee about that and and try to advocate that way. That's right. So all schools that participate in the school meals program, they have to have a what's called a local wellness policy. And that's a policy that details all of the different ways that they're making sure that the environment, the the food environment for kids um, and also the physical environment is healthier, safer, um, more nutritious, can also restrict marketing too. So to an earlier point, ways to try to, to reduce um, marketing from, from food companies, a local wellness policy can address that. So on the local wellness policy, there's a committee, the local wellness policy committee, parents can sit on that, they have public meetings. And so parents should get involved with that, they should get on their listserv or distribution list, they should try to go to a meeting and um, hear from the school what's going on, and then uh, for you know the school foods, um, be able to to voice these concerns that they may have, especially around too much sugar. Also, if there's too much salt and too few whole grains, I would say those are sort of the three key areas that school meals have struggled the most. Would be again too sugary, too salty, and not enough whole grains. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Colin, for your time today. This was very informative and helpful for parents. Tell me where can listeners go to learn more about you and your work and CSPI? 
They can go to our website. So just go to cspinet.org and find out more information there. They can sign up through to, be, to join our action network where we'll send them resources. And if they want to get involved with a, with a school, a school district, we're happy to work with them on ways that they could improve what their school is serving their kids. Great. Well, thank you so much today, Colin. Thanks, Julie. Healthier School Meals is something I have advocated for with other moms in our school district, so I was really grateful for this interview with Colin Schwartz, and I hope you walked away with a lot of great information about what your kids are eating at school and what you can do about it. I'd love to hear what you liked about this episode or any of the episodes. Just head to my website, julierevelant.com, click on podcast, find the episode, and click the button to record a voicemail for me. Also, be sure to go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating so we can reach more people. I'm Julie Revelant, and thank you for listening to Food Issues. You can connect with me on julierevelant.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 